with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Wayne. Well, good morning, fellas. Hello. Morning. So it has been, uh, what, six weeks since I've been uh, sheltering in place here at uh, Stately Head Manor. And I just got to say, boy, I could use a haircut. <laughs> I, uh, oh, yeah. It, it's a good thing this isn't a video podcast because uh, <laughs> it's out of control. And we I'm, just look like three dudes with hats on. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I tell you what, I, I am now video conferencing, you know, exclusively in ball caps because, uh, wow, I mean, it, there is no amount of hair gel that will control what I've got going on now. <laughs> the wild mane. Yeah, I tell you, I mean, I just, I just look like a crazy man. I've been watching the conference calls slowly turn into that over the last few weeks. Uh-huh. It's like the first week, everything's normal, everyone's, uh, you know, no hats and things, and then the hats just start appearing. Well, you know, I am a, a very strict every four weeks get a haircut guy, and uh, I was coming up on needing a haircut when we started sheltering in place. So it's been about ten weeks since I've had one, and man, it is uh, it is a lot of hair. I just got to say, I am one one hairy hairy guy. So, just saying, <laughs> um, I'm not too bad, honestly. That's because you know I, I've got that uh, pattern male pattern baldness coming in, so. It's not too bad so far. It grows slow. Um, I'm enjoying what I have. It doesn't look too bad yet. Um, so I'm, I'm okay right now. You know, I, I did get a haircut, I think, like a week or two before this uh, the, the sheltering in place thing happened. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing okay. But, you know, I, I see people on conference calls. Like, there's a, a guy on a conference call at work, and he, you know, he did the buzz himself. He's like, I just set it on the highest guard and did it all. And I'm like, you did it all the same length <laughs> like um you know that's I, how i have mine done when i get it cut they do the guard number three and they all over oh okay well then i won't make fun of it um <laughs> <laughs> no i i just i i'm not gonna do it uh i'm I, well i should say i shouldn't say i'm not gonna do it i'm not there yet so we'll, well see. I, I simply refuse to cut my own hair or allow my wife to cut my hair. Because <laughs> uh, Suzanne has come at me with with the clippers a couple of times. I get away. Uh, I have decided that you know this <laughs> well, it has is nothing the, to do with the haircut. <laughs> <laughs> this is the situation that the universe has put me in, and I am going to just see how much like Grizzly Adams I will look on the other side of this. So. <laughs> Yeah, none of us are going to look like mullet Superman coming out of this. I can tell you. Yeah, <laughs> guarantee that's that. correct. We'll that's look more funny. like Fat Thor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is, what I'm seeing too, nobody seems to be shaving much either. It's like there's nothing oh, that's stopping not... people from doing it. But no. I'm watching also on the uh, the conference calls as they start coming in the beards. Yeah, Mar- March 17th was my last time to face the razor. Oh. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been trimming, so I'm I'm okay there. Yeah, yeah I've shaved my neck, but because uh, you know I don't want to be neck beard guy, but uh, you know that's all I've done. Because you know I, I I only ever get to to I, I it is I was 25 the last time I had a beard, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was a full bright red affair, and uh, uh, you know I I always you know grow winter whiskers when I'm off for Christmas, but you know, that's really not enough time to grow a beard because I'm only off for about a week or so. So, uh, I've decided that I, I'm really curious to see what it looks like. And boy, it is one white motherfucking beard. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just tell you, uh, w- Oh, what a difference 25 years makes from the last time you had a beard. <laughs> He's going for that Reed Richards look. Well, you know, the, the last time I had a beard, I, I had had, uh, I had two dogs who had never seen me without a beard and I was trimming it one day, and uh, I screwed it up really bad when I was trimming it. And so I, I just shaved it all off. So I come walking out of the bathroom fresh-faced, and both dogs barked at me. You know, <laughs> who, are, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in non-grooming news, <laughs> but similarly <laughs> affected uh, by, by the current pandemic, this week, um, AMC Theaters and Regal Theaters announced a boycott on Universal Studios. Uh, that you know, be, when when you're the two biggest movie theater chains in America boycott a movie studio, 
it's not going to last. Um, so it's really just sensationalism news. But what happened is Universal Studios recently released Trolls uh, World Tour, the new Trolls movie. They said, you know what? Fuck it. We're just going to release it online, digitally. Um, you know, tw- I think it was like a $20 rental uh, you know, fee, one of those types of things. And it made more money in three weeks than the original movie made in its entire five-month run. Well, um, I think the important distinction to make is that it it made like $170 million uh, when the original film released to theaters. Mm-hmm. The sequel made like $100 million, but the difference is Universal gets to keep all that. They're not splitting it down the middle with theater chains. Yeah, exactly. The, the and, deal with and theater so, chains. Is, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Right. So, you know, what it winds up being is it, it, it for that movie, at least, it was a more profitable model for them mm-hmm. because, you know, think about movies that, you know, cost $100 million to make and you only make, you know, $110 million back. You know, you're really not getting much back or e- even if you, you didn't, you know, it costs you a hundred million dollars to make that movie, and you it costs you one hundred and ten million dollars. Well, if you're splitting that the that down the middle with the movie theaters, you've lost money on that film, mm-hmm. right? Um, this is a much more for at least for this film, it was a much more profitable model. And so, you know, Universal said, you know, we're going to do more of this. This makes sense for us. And of course, you know, Regal and uh, AMC said you know, that's a problem for us and we just won't show your films. Because what Universal was saying, we're going to do some VOD, we're going to continue releasing in theaters. And uh, uh, Regal and, and AMC said, nah, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I, I, I immediately get it. Universal, I say immediately Universal started backpedaling their comment too. Well, and, you know, it, it sure does remind me a whole lot of what's going on with the retail comic book shops. Yep. You know, it, it's that fear of of the new thing. Um, I, I I don't think it's sustainable. I think I, you know, honestly, I enjoy a a theater experience, but I also enjoy seeing stuff at home. Yeah. Uh, I frequently find that I'm a lot more forgiving of a movie that I watch on my TV at home versus a movie that I've gone out to bought tickets, bought popcorn, bought you know really expensive Diet Coke. And sat in a movie theater for two and a half hours that I don't get to pause the the show to go pee. <laughs> I find that I'm not nearly as forgiving on those films. You, well, know? you know, I mean, go ahead. That you make a good point. And so this is, <laughs> it's funny because, um, you know, I had this conversation with Jen the other week. And she's like, you know, someone asked what my movie taste was. And she's like, ah, if it, if it doesn't have a cape or a hole in the sky, Paul doesn't like it. I'm like, first of all, <laughs> that's, that's leaving out the entire horror genre. Yeah, I'm like, first of all, that's entirely untrue. Um, I said, but second of all, when I go to a movie theater, I prefer to see a big screen movie, right? Um, now that being said, there are movies that I would probably not have paid to go see in the movie theater, or that I would actually pay for the video on demand for like a day and date release. Like I actually paid for that new Ben Affleck basketball movie. I paid $20 for it because I really wanted to see it, but I probably wouldn't have gone and seen it in the movie theater because it was like, yeah, there's, you know, it came out the same week as some other big release that, Oh, invisible man or something that I wanted to see with special effects and horror and excitement and big screen stuff. So I saw that, you know, so it, it feels like to me, especially in the in the in this year, especially there, it seemed like there was a lot of releases scheduled for this year. Some of those, you know, more less big screen movies would benefit from, a, a, you know, a, a, an at home release. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about this with the diamond distribution thing. There's a bit of hypocrisy going on here, which kind of frustrates me in that, you know, AMC and, and Regal are like, you know what? Fuck you, Regal, or fuck you, Universal. Um, meanwhile, Warner Brothers announced that they're going to do the exact same shit um, and release their movie Scoob, the new Scooby-Doo animated movie that was scheduled to be released in theaters on May 15th. They're going to do that. They're going to release it digitally on May 15th. Nothing from AMC and Regal about boycotting Warner Brothers also. Um, you know, well, they made a comment about one of the, the- one of the distribute it wasn't uh, warner brothers but they said something on the lines of uh they weren't going to boycott disney because disney was doing a release digitally 
with one of their movies, but they weren't talking about doing it after this was over. That's how they basically, you know, explain away their hypocrisy. Yeah. Well, the same thing comes in when we talk about the Diamond Distribution stuff, right? So Diamond Distribution announced this week at Marvel that new comics from Marvel and Diamond will start shipping on May 27th. Um, you know, so, and you know, it'll be a slow turn. It'll basically be like we skipped a month and we'll jump and we'll jump right into a fifth week. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not like May 27th is going to bring everything that we missed for the last, for two months. No, they're just basic. Well, I I guess it's really going to be like we skipped two months worth of comics and then just kind of started again. Um, and And they're even postponing some of the books that would have come out that next week that we skipped. Yeah, it's like almost like everything's been pushed, that. right? Like, it's almost like everything's been shoved an extra, you know, eight, eight weeks out, yeah. essentially. Um, because, I mean, the, a lot of those schedules were already put in place to build up to things like Empire, right? There were a bunch of Empire number zeros coming out. You can't just throw Empire number one out there until all those zeros come out kind of thing. It buys them more lead time, too, especially since some folks were furloughed. Um, you know, and I, I find that one of the... I, you know, when I was saying about hypocrisy um, in regards to Universal and Warner Brothers and movie theaters, it's interesting because DC found an alternative distribution chain to get some comics out um, to release some of the lower selling titles to comic shops, help them stay in business, help them stay afloat, give them product to sell. Comic shops, some you know, the, the, I, the vocal minority of comic shops, I will say, um, bitched about it. And one of the, one of the gripes was, I don't know why DC is doing this. It, it It's like they intend for us to put our employees at risk just to sell their product. But I don't see anyone really bitching about Marvel doing the same thing come May 27th. Right. You know, it's no safer on May 27th than it is this week when DC started releasing new product. So I don't understand. You know, it, for me, it's a, it's a bit of a frustration and it, it shows the hypocrisy hypocrisy very easily in in situations like this where they're so vocal about dc like dc you suck you're putting our employees at risk and then marvel comes out they're like oh yeah great marvel back in stores may 27th come get your shit it's interesting to me now don't get me wrong i'm happy because comics are coming out regardless but First, Paul. Yes. I do like the, your pronunciation of the word hypocrisy. <laughs> I did that for you, Aaron. I did it, it for you, and then I self-corrected. It, 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 it does make it sound like you are from North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> the hypocrisy. Uh, but I think in both cases, it's very evident of antiquated models that are unwilling to change with the times. Yeah, yeah, especially when you think about the fact that none of us really care about when the books are in the store. We care about when they're in the Comixology app. That's right. I, you know, I, I, I you're number one. You're always going to find people who are going to complain. Hell, that's what you know. Ten years of this podcast is about, right? Fair <laughs> I mean, I'm literally complaining <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, I feel like the majority of comic shop owners were really appreciative that DC was giving them some content to sell. Yeah, you know, I follow, I follow several online uh, via Instagram as well as, you know, get email updates from a couple of them. And they all, everyone that I follow seemed to be pretty darn excited that they were going to have something new to sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've watched a lot of guys who have, uh, I don't want to use the term liquidated their stock. But, you know, they've had, they, they were really pushing stuff that's been on their shelves for a long time just so that they could, you know, make room for the new stuff when the new stuff gets here. Because they're, I think they're counting on pent-up demand when people can get back into comic book shops. Agreed. I mean, I think uh, some, the, the – and that's why I said the vocal minority, right? Because yeah. those are the ones they put there on the articles. But in general, your, your average comic shop that's appreciative that, to sell products, to do the right thing by their customers – um, to have curbside service, comic delivery, whatever they're just they're just doing their business. You know, they're yeah. they're, they're not out yeah. there on Newsarama bitching about DC Comics. You know, they're right. just doing their business. They're supporting well, their customers. The very unfortunate thing is the vocal minority in this case are the ones that are considered to be the leaders in the retail industry. You know, that vocal minority have the ear of all of these sites that are doing really shoddy journalism. Yeah. At least they have the at least these sites have their Twitter feeds because that seems to be all that comics news is right now is reporting on what somebody tweeted. 
I well, mean, as a guy who 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 worked for Newsarama for a little bit of time, uh, I, I can I can vouch for the fact that the quality of uh, of comic book journalism is pretty damn terrible. <laughs> I mean, I think that's that's the case in all entertainment journalism. I I find I feel like you'll see an entire article about a tweet, and it's like Dwayne the Rock Johnson likes tequila, and it's like. Uh, that's it? Like, he just posted something like, ooh, tequila's good. And they'll write an entire article about it. You know, that's just the state of modern entertainment journalism, I think. Yeah, yeah how do they... I don't understand that. How do they get, like, 12 paragraphs out of a 255-character tweet? But I see it over and over and over again lately. That's because, well, as Aaron te- will tell you, they're paid by the word. <laughs> that's right. Well, and it, it's a template, right? You know, they they give you the headline. You're, oh, I want to read about that, and it's the fifth paragraph mm-hmm. that they talk to you about what was in the headline. You know, yeah. uh, it's, it's it. I, I it is frustrating to read m- much of comic book journalism. Yeah, I, I think you get I think you get better information actually out of you know the occasional Forbes article. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, man, some of the stuff is just painful to read. Plus, you know, it's they're trying so fast to get the article out so that they can they can get the clicks. You know, they're trying to beat the competitions so they can get the clicks. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's very little editing applied to it. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean the, the quality of the writing is poor in oh, most I, cases. And I love what I see one where one site will quote that somebody reached out to another site uh-huh. and then you read the other site. And they actually just did a tweet. Yep. So they're not even, in some cases, getting their own content. They're just blatantly stealing the story of the other one. Yeah. Well, and I got I, from another uh, <laughs> website that I used to write for. I got fired from that one because I pointed that out about one of the other writers on the on the blog. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I um. You know, we're starting this podcast <laughs> with a lot of vitriol and and and, and anger, um, but you know, I am pretty excited about new comics coming out. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about the DC Digital first here in a little bit, and and some of the stuff that we're reading in the time being, which is great. Um, but one of the things we talked about recently, right, was the was about canceled conventions, whether it's San Diego Comic Con. I think we had, you know, we, we talked about Star Wars Celebration, and perhaps if those conventions aren't able to happen, well, they should look into alternatives to to you know virtual alternatives, right? Like an entire weekend on Disney Plus was what we were talking about with Star Wars Celebration, or you know, entire weekend on Sci Fi Channel dedicated to virtual panels and news and things like that for San Diego Comic-Con. Well, uh, a couple things happened in the convention world this week. Uh, One, I got an email from Star Wars Celebration, and they have not made a decision yet, um, which I find crazy uh, interesting because it's a sold-out convention, so it's not like they can really do the social distancing thing. Um, so I really don't know what I, I, if I had a guess, my guess is that they are holding off until the city requires them to not do it so they can collect some type of insurance or something. When is yeah. it? Um, late August. Okay. Yeah. Cause wizard world in St. Louis hasn't canceled anything and they're the first week of June. Yikes. Yeah. I I'm, I'm very surprised. Um, now that being said, they haven't made any announcements, on guests or anything like that. So I think the writing's on the wall. They're just holding out for some reason. Maybe maybe they're trying to figure out insurance. Maybe they're trying to figure out if they're delaying or canceling. Yeah. Um, but I, I oh, am yeah. surprised. Star Trek Las someone, Vegas, Star Trek Las uh, Vegas is still did, selling tickets. Oh, wow. Yeah, Wiz, Wizard World St. Louis is still selling tickets. Yeah. Uh, but I can say as someone that was going to be running a convention this year that had to switch to digital... Event insurance just wasn't happening. Like we were, I was talking to the regular event insurance uh, lawyer that we go through, and it just, at least here for our scale, we could not get event insurance. I'm sure the big guys probably can, but the price is going to be jacked up through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we, we talked about the virtual alternatives that could really be happening. And, um, you know, we, we talked a couple weeks ago with friend of the podcast, Ron Mars, 
about the Dreadstar um, Kickstarter, Kickstarter, ominous press stuff. And, uh, you know, he was supposed to be a guest at AwesomeCon in D.C. and is still scheduled for AwesomeCon, which has been delayed until December. Very excited uh, to, to, to be attending that. However, AwesomeCon was originally scheduled to be occurring this weekend. Uh, you know, which is for anyone uh, uh, who, who wants to be even sadder. Today we're recording this on what would have been Free Comic Book Day. Um, but AwesomeCon was supposed to happen this weekend, and instead they're doing a virtual AwesomeCon, including short film festivals, including panels with Zachary Levi, who is going to be one of the headlining guests, and other celebrities. Um, they're doing virtual Q&As, they're going to be doing virtual panels, th- you know, at virtual film festivals, all throughout this weekend on their Facebook page. And I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, you know, I, 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 we, and, uh, you know, we, we've seen some, some people kind of branch out like Jonathan Frakes did a a live viewing of Star Trek first contact this week. The Russo brothers did Avengers end game, I think last weekend, you know, this is stuff that is really great content that's out there. And I hope that more conventions, specifically speaking about San Diego comic-con embrace this kind of, uh, thing if they can't happen. Yeah, Yeah, I have, uh, I have three different conventions this weekend that are virtual that I signed up for. And that doesn't even include like my work industry uh, conferences. A lot of them went virtual too. So there's all this free virtual training out there because when these places go virtual, they don't seem to be selling tickets for the content. It's just free out there. So there is one today as we record this uh, for Star Trek and uh, with Garrett Wang, uh, Star Trek Voyagers, um, Henry Kim, and uh, uh, Duncan Patrick McNeil, the guy who played uh, Lieutenant Paris. Uh-huh. They're doing a they're doing a uh, virtual panel today, and you know kicking off the podcast that they're going to be uh, hosting. Um, but the way they're, it is a for pay and it's kind of like pay what you think, pay what you value. And it's this process where, uh, you, you can tip in, right? So as you're enjoying it, you can continue to tip in and the tip ins are small, like a dollar less. And whoever tips in the most, this is why I thought, thought this was really interesting, uh, will win, uh, five minutes, you know, alone in a, in a zoom chat with, uh, the two actors, um, as well as be entered in for some other stuff. Everybody who participates, I guess, gets entered in f- for a drawing, but, uh, it was sort of an interesting model that it's kind of like, you know, pay what you want, but you're rewarded if you pay more. I thought that was kind of cool. Because it made it very, very approachable to enjoy that sort of thing, and it, and you know, and it also you know uh, uh, reimburses the actors. Yeah, the one of the ones I have listed today is uh, Comic Conline, mm-hmm. and it's one that was created for all of the artists out there that are furloughed and such. And there's a lot of interactions, but it also is pushing people to buy their art to help kind of support those comic artists that right now aren't getting paychecks. Yeah, I mean, I think this is great, you know, a great way to to get folks to still get product. And, you know, to Aaron, you make a good point, because that's essentially like the um, the YouTube super chat model. Um, if you're still trying to make some because and I'm trying to figure out the right way to say this, these con- these convention organizers need money, too. Right. Like they're 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 hit harder than the celebrities with the canceled appearances is these people whose job it is to organize a convention. And they've spent all year since the last one preparing for it. And the shit's not happening. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so they, they need that support, too. And, you know, you don't we, we don't consider that a lot. And so this is a great alternative, um, even if it's free or via donation uh, to, to, you know, still get some product out and still lend some support to the events. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a great model. I mean, I, I hope that, that some version of this continues to exist after because, you know, there's a lot of content that happens at conventions that you're like, man, I wish I could go to that convention in London, Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. and, and if I can't be there, maybe they could put some of that content online. That's not just somebody's crap ass recording from their iPhone, you know? Yeah. Uh, hey, yeah that's you, our YouTube channel. Even here. once. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and even things like uh, San Diego Comic-Con, I could afford to go. 
I don't, I don't want to go. It's too crowded. <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to get in any of the panels I want. I'm not going to wait overnight to get into things. But would I pay 20 bucks to be able to just stream all of the panels? Well, Hell yeah, I would. Yeah. And I've got to say, as, as somebody who doesn't like crowds to begin with and is borderline germaphobic, I don't see me ever going to a San Diego Comic-Con now. Uh, I don't, I don't know how, you know, I don't, I don't know how I would ever be comfortable in that kind of a crowd ever again. Well, you know, last year when I went to Star Wars Celebration, and I think they've done it for two years in a row now, um, one of the things that they have definitely figured out, uh, more so than other conventions is our big panels. Yes, you get a benefit from being in the room. If you win the lottery to get in the room for the episode nine trailer, you know, they'll give you, you get free hats, you get free posters. It's all about the swag on those things. However, if you're not able to get in the room or you're home, they live stream all of those big panels. I mean, yeah. you know, you get a little bit of bonus. You may be some extra footage or whatever if you're in the room. Um, but those, the, you know, the, the big panels like the Mandalorian or the Episode Nine or some of those, whatever was on the bigger stages, they they stream those online. And I think that's a great model. And I, I think we're we're what my what i'm thinking is just do the same thing but without the audience you know yeah. this year and you can yeah. genuinely do it from the movie set here we are from the set of the mandalorian season two you know right with, you know with our you know our panel of guests kind of thing and i think that would be really good entertainment i yeah, agree wizard world i know does uh at the conventions the big panels that are going to be you know filled up they have one screen that's out in kind of a big open area with a bunch of tables and chairs and things. And they'll stream whatever the biggest panel is in each slot of time mm-hmm. out to that. But they haven't typically done the online thing until all this started. With all this starting, they've been doing virtual panels for... like they'll, They seem to be doing it at least once a month, getting the big groups of people that would have been at conventions normally... Like the whole Smallville reunion thing that uh, is currently scheduled for Wizard World here, that's one that they did virtually not too long ago. Hmm. Well, you know, we're we're talking about streaming and you know stuff to watch online. Uh, you know, it it would behoove us to not talk about what we're watching, what we watched this week. You know, while we're home, you know, lots of stuff that we're streaming on television. Some of it, for, well, I shouldn't say free. Some of it offered at inclusive of your already paid purchase uh, you know um, subscriptions uh, some of it you know we actually paid for like i purchased this week and i should have actually checked to see if it was on demand but i didn't um uh, i purchased season two of yellowstone via amazon prime you know aaron and i talked about that a couple weeks ago because i, I kind of got hooked on it and then it seems like aaron might have gotten hooked on it as well yeah i like this show a lot it's really good. You never knew that Kevin Costner could be such a good bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I was like, wow, this is Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's uh, I, it's such a and I will say one of the things that I like about season two more than season one is that it seems to have stepped back a little bit of the awfulness and, yes. and, 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 and really shown some genuine affection between characters. I, I got to tell you. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of humor written into this show. So when the joke line shows up, you know, I, it startles you, you know, <laughs> I, I, I laughed so hard when, you know, uh, the sister Beth, yeah, who is, is undeniably a terrible human being and crazy, you know? batshit crazy. Yeah. Batshit crazy. And just, she's cruel to her brother. Uh, you know, uh, she is, she is just a terrible human being and she is, you know, plotting the, you know, how we're going to protect the ranch. Right. <laughs> and she's talking to her business partner and, and, you know, she's like, well, you can do, you can do X, Y, and Z and it does this and here, and it essentially winds up being free money. The question is how big is your junk? You know, you know, and, and, and he, so he says, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. And he, 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 he money's down and, and she, she just leans forward. She goes, I always knew you were tucking it in your sock. And it doesn't sound like much of a joke, but it was just so <laughs> it, it was just a moment of brightness in an otherwise just very dark show. 
and I really got a kick out of it. I, I just giggled, uh, you know, after that. You know, you're tucking it in your sock. Uh, <laughs> now, Paul, I got to know. Yeah. Uh, who is your favorite character on the show? Who is the character that you most identify with? Oof. Um, for me, it would probably, <laughs> uh, honestly, probably John Dutton. Um, okay. Probably Kevin Costner's character, because I find Jamie Dutton to be... I'm I'm waiting for Jamie to grow some balls because he is just so much oh, God. of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the when in episode five where Beth, his sister, beats the living shit out of him, yeah. and drags him into her her father's office by the hair. Yeah, <laughs> like I I, I I like Casey a lot, uh, and he's pretty much your your no, most normal of the crew. Um, and I like Casey, like you know. Yeah. But I, I think I, I like you know. For me, I and maybe it's just because I really am a fan of Kevin Costner. Whenever he's on screen, I'm like, yeah, Kevin Costner, just doing what's right by his family, you know, kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> I just expected you to answer whoever the guy was that was tucking it in his sock. <laughs> yeah, just like me. Yeah, who are you? Are, are you Dan Jenkins? Are you uh, Rainwater over there? Oh no! Good God no. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I suspect I might be one of the Beck brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne's like, I don't understand any of this. And that's okay, Wayne. It is, I, I will say it is, it's not your jam. Um, it is surprisingly engaging for me. And I, you know, cause I like a good, uh, you know, we talked about Taylor Sheridan being from Sons of Anarchy and uh, Sicario. He did the Sicario movies, which I adore. Um, I just, you know, I, I wasn't sure that I was going to dig this show, and it really has just gotten better, gotten just, it, it continuously gets better for me, especially this season with more emphasis on the ranch hands, which I am genuinely enjoying. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I like Jimmy. I, you know, I, I like I, Jimmy. <laughs> I, J- Jimmy is the, you know, fuck up former meth dealer who's now, you know, been jumped into the Wrangler gang of, uh, of, of ranch hands. Uh, and him not being able to ride a horse is just killing me. Yeah, <laughs> my <laughs> balls, my balls. <laughs> well, and then you got I, Rip, right? Rip is an interesting yeah. character for sure. Well, I, I will say I think Rip is one of my favorite characters in the show. Agreed. He is. He is. He's noble in his darkness, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he he is exactly the man that uh, the ranch owner John Dutton needs him to be, mm-hmm. and is happy to do that. Uh, and he is he is genuinely noble in his relationship with Beth, you know, who just treats him like a dog, you know, and not like Wayne and I treat dogs. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, I feel like uh, the more we describe Rip, uh, the more he sounds like me in my day job. So maybe maybe yeah. Rip is me. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But uh, I, yeah, I do. I, I like Rip a lot. And I like that we're getting some of Rip's backstory uh, this season. Yeah. I think it's a great show. One of the things that I struggle with, though, is that uh, it is illustrating to me the difference between Montana Cowboys cowboy culture and texas cowboy culture mm-hmm. because you know Mont- the montana cowboy culture some of the some of the things you see for instance is hat etiquette like yeah you never don't throw look- your hat on a bed kind of yeah, thing ever yeah it's bad luck yada yada but you know one of the things that drives me crazy is texas cowboy culture is you don't wear your hat indoors mm-hmm. and i just struggle with the fact that all these guys are wearing their cowboy hats inside and i'm like oh, that must be a montana thing because you know uh the guy next to you would be would be thumping you going take your hat off you know you don't yeah. wear your your hat inside but uh you know particularly in the presence of a lady you know like uh where Casey walks into his wife's new apartment he didn't take his hat off and that just drove me batshit yeah. but i've got so. to imagine that is not an oversight no, no I, I think so. I, I, I mean, and I've noticed it throughout the show. Like, you know, John is is sitting in the restaurant with his hat on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that's got to be a Montana cowboy culture thing because uh, I, I I think that's I think somebody by now would have said, you know, that's not the way hats are worn. I mean, I truly believe that that's intentional. You know, we read about the ranch that they filmed this on. Oh, um, did you? So it is, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it, it is, is a gorgeous. privately owned ranch that basically they rent out for a couple months a year to do the filming. Right. Um, you know, from from the owners, uh, he, even though Kevin Costner does have a ranch, 
Um, <laughs> but you're not going to shoot on his ranch. That's no, his ranch. That's his ranch. No, they film, right. they film at a different ranch uh, that, that is privately owned. And it is gorgeous. And I know we're talking a cowboy show on a comic book podcast, but Yellowstone is really, really well done. And we'll, we'll talk about comic stuff here in a second. In fact, you know, <laughs> unless you have anything else to say about Yellowstone... Um, no, just that it's fantastic, and the introduce introduction of the Beck brothers this season. Oh yeah, uh, the the number one, the entire show is brilliantly casted, and there's a bunch of folks in this show that you're like, oh, I know that guy, I know that guy, mm-hmm. I know. I mean, just a, a whole bunch of that guys in this show, um, and the the second season just brought on additional talent, and I forget the guy's name. Is it? Uh, McDonoghue, uh, uh, Neil Donahue, McDonoghue or some, something yeah, like that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, he play, he's a bad guy in everything he's in and he is, a, he was in justified. I loved him in justified. And by the way, Paul, if you're enjoying Yellowstone, you really should check out justified. I think it's on um, Amazon prime. So maybe I will. It is. It streams for free on it. It's included in your subscription on Amazon prime. Um, it, it is a fantastic show just as Yellowstone's a fantastic show. I think the thing that I enjoy so much about Yellowstone is that it the scripts are smart mm-hmm. and the actors are are terrific. Even Jamie who is just a sniveling whiny bitch who I assume is going to have a crisis and man up. God, I hope so. How long can you be that guy? Yeah. You know, how long? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I I was you know, he's gay, though celibate. And so he, he enters into this relationship with a woman. And when he's got that crisis and he's, you know, and she's like, well, if you're getting out, what's in it for me? I'm out. Get out of my apartment. And he's like, so I, I don't get the job and I don't get you. And I'm like, you don't even want her. <laughs> <laughs> you know? What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jamie. Uh so we definitely recommend Yellowstone. Now, it is not available for free. Uh, it is on the Paramount Network. So if you have the Paramount Network, I guess see if it's available on demand. Um, but I will say, for me, having purchased the first two seasons now, I feel, and I could be wrong, I would be shocked if I was wrong, I feel like I'm getting bonus footage um, <laughs> by watching it You know, it, on, on these services where I've paid for it because... There is a lot of there are a lot of f bombs, and in the first season there's a there's a decent amount of like nudity, like actual yeah. nudity, um, yeah. not like butts like you see on NYPD Blue or something. Like no, you, 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 there's some nudity on there. Um, yeah. So I, I've got to imagine you know it's not on basic cable. I, I think well, they, you know it's edited, and the episodes tend to be like fifty five minutes long. Yeah, I mean, so I feel like I, I feel like you're right. I think they've cut they cut a lot of it out for broadcast. Mm-hmm. So definitely so, worth checking out. Good show. Um, now, another thing that I paid for. Now, I paid the same amount for season two of Yellowstone as I did for Birds of Prey. And I feel like one was a much greater value for my one my money. <laughs> um, so, you know. I've been really curious to hear your opinion on this movie, Paul, because uh, the trailers, I thought, looked really horrible. I did, too. You know, so we talked about Birds of Prey. And, you know, um, not to get too deep into it, but we're not like women haters or anything like that. So it's not like we were predisposed to dislike birds of prey, like some, you know, anti-women people online. Um, it just, you know, in fact, I was quite looking forward to it. You know, Huntress, uh, uh, Black Canary, Parley Quinn, Cassandra Kane, Black Mask, and Mr. Zaz all in one movie. I was psyched. Yeah. And then the trailer came out. I'm like, this looks like shit. And then a second trailer came out, and I'm like, this still looks like shit. Um, yeah. But then the reviews came out. It looked like they were ruining some of our favorite characters. And that's what I got out of the trailers is, you know, there are quite a few of these characters I absolutely love, and they're going to butcher them. So that's why I hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. So, you know, I will say, uh, you know, I, I did, the reviews were pretty universally good on Birds of Prey. Um, and everyone I know who actually saw it enjoyed it. So I purchased it when it first came out on digital, and I finally got around to watching it this week. Um, and I will say, it's not bad, <laughs> but it ain't great. 
Um, you know, I, I, you know, for me, I'm, I'm okay separating my comic book anticipations or my comic book expectations from a movie, right? So, yeah, to Wayne's point about, you know, I feel like this will, will ruin our characters. Other than Harley and Huntress, everyone else is that character in name only. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Mr. Zaz, uh, Black Canary, Cassandra Kane. Those are just names they use. <laughs> um, those are not the characters at all that you know from the comic book. Um, you know, they, they, they may have loosely similar origins-ish, or they may have the same, you know, names, but they're definitely not the characters you recognize from the comic books. Um, Huntress, for the little bit that she's in the movie, is pretty spot on, I will say. Um, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting movie in that it doesn't quite go to Deadpool levels of craziness, which is kind of what I expected after reading the reviews. Um, it's a lot more subdued than Daredevil. It's not as violent as I'd read. Um, in fact, other than profanity, I didn't really see anything that wouldn't have made this movie PG-13. Really? Um, yeah, there, you know, there wasn't like, there, there were a couple of like, hit someone with a bat kind of thing, but there wasn't like blood and gore you know it wasn't it wasn't like the raid which is one of the reviews i've read it's got raid level violence no it really doesn't um you know but it's it is a fun movie it was enjoyable um i it was definitely better than suicide squad uh but still kind of in that vein um you know it's 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 a fun movie i will say but it's not great and yeah, you know, I, I kind of expected it to be, you know, I, I kind of, given every review I've read, um, and maybe it's just because everyone went, went in with low expectations, I, I kind of expected it to be better, honestly. Uh, but it, it's not as bad as it was advertised. I will say the advertising certainly didn't help it. Um, you know, didn't really portray the story as it was really unfolding in the movie. Um, it was well filmed, good choreography, uh, some interesting, you know, camera work. Um, you know, the, Ewan McGregor was, was good as Black Mask. Uh, the act, the, the, the main cast of actresses really doesn't, you know, Harley Quinn, obviously Margot Robbie does a great job as Harley Quinn, but the other actresses really don't have like a lot of meat on the bone, uh, to, you know, so I, I wouldn't actually call it an ensemble movie, um, you know, because it's really kind of not, but it, it, it is worth watching. I would not have paid I, I did pay twenty dollars for it, but uh, I would say if you're holding out for it, um, you know, maybe trying to figure out is it worth my twenty dollars, I would say wait. You know, I would wait till huh. it, it it airs on HBO, or I'm assuming it'll probably be on HBO Max. Uh, you know, if you end up getting that per, that uh, you know uh, subscription pretty soon, so I would just wait till then. It's not going to blow your socks off. HBO Max is the is the thing that's going to make me, Paul. I can't wait for HBO Max. Well, here's the thing: I already pay for HBO through Amazon. Uh-huh. You know, because I do I do it through there instead of through my uh, cable yeah. subscriber, and it's the same price as HBO Max. But right. I, I I I really don't want to install another app. I really wish they would just make the HBO available uh, on Amazon and just make that HBO Max instead. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually confused by all the different HBO apps. To be perfectly honest, because yeah, HBO got... now go. Uh huh. And now Max, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do any of them. Yeah. The shows that are on HBO, I've bought on DVD. See, the the, the for me, and I I know listeners, I, I've I've said this before, but uh, you know, you're going to get all the content from HBO. Plus, you're going to pick up the uh, DC uh, streaming service stuff, plus a number of other uh, content sources. You're gonna get all the Looney Tunes. I'm super excited about all the Looney Tunes. I got some Foghorn Leghorn to watch, man. Uh, I, I am super excited about HBO Max. Uh, HBO Max is going to allow me to reduce my cable bill extremely. I, I, I can't wait. I'm very excited. So what I'm wondering about is what I get out of the DC Universe right now since I've subscribed isn't just the streaming stuff. It's all the comic books. Yeah, yeah. I think that maybe what's yeah, I think that maybe what helps. Yeah, that'll be what helped keep it running and separate, I think, mm-hmm. hopefully. Uh, but I was curious, have either of you watched the old uh, Birds of Prey TV show from like the show. early 2000s? I rewatched the entire series this week. 
yeah. once I started watching it before I knew it, I was I only had a couple episodes left. I mean, it is surprising. And these are hour long episodes. Yeah, it's surprisingly good. Uh, you know, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. It does not necessarily hold up to today's television standards, but for its time, it was a really strong show. I thought. Well, to be fair, the CW's current DC, uh, you know, programs don't necessarily hold up to today's standards either. Well, Ooh. certainly not the recent crossover. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, at least visually they do, because yeah. that was the one thing. As I'm watching, I get to the episode of Birds of Prey that has Clayface in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that one doesn't look so good. Yeah. So you know you're you're, you're mentioning um, DC and Clayface, <laughs> DC Universe. Uh, you know, uh, with a couple of things uh, in relation to that app. Um, this week, uh, uh, I think it was USA no Entertainment Weekly. I think put out a first image, not any video, just a first image and a cast announcement on the new DC animated movie coming out this summer called Superman Man of Tomorrow. No, no real description on it. Uh, just kind of one snapshot that shows a, a relatively younger Superman, younger Lex Luthor. Uh, they they said that Zachary Quinto would be playing Lex Luthor, you know, Spock. And um, Darren Chris from Glee and American Crime Story would be playing Superman in this new movie. Uh, and, you know, it, again, no description of the film. But I think all of us are kind of wondering, is this the rebooted DC animated universe because it kind of feels like um, maybe maybe which after the apocalypse war comes out, I think this month um, it comes out digitally. Uh, May fifth, whoa, May fifth, it comes out on on digital download. Uh, you know that that maybe they're going to reboot that animated universe, and I'm wondering if that's what that's the start of that. That Superman Man of Tomorrow will be the first in a new line of DC animated movies. Yeah, it's certainly. It looks like it could be. I don't know how I feel about Zachary Quinto as Lex, mostly because I already associate him with characters. So the voice may throw me a little bit at first. I gotta say, Zachary Quinto, I think is is an inspired choice for Lex. Um, I feel like his voice is indistinct enough for me not to feel like that's Zachary Quinto. Um, Darren Chris, I don't know enough. You know, I mean, I, I I know he 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 was on Glee. I know he was on American Crime Story, which. I only saw a couple of episodes for it was the one where he was the guy who killed Versace. Um, but I, I, I don't really know him from anything else. You know, I, I will say it'll be hard to top uh, Tim Daly or George Newbern, who are my animated Superman voices. Not a big fan of Newbern, but I really like Tim Daly. I liked Newbern once they made Newbern different. Yeah, it seemed was, like Newburn was doing a convincing Tim Daly impersonation for a while. Yeah, and then when he when he got into season two of Justice League, and they were when they made Superman a little less of a bitch, um, mm-hmm. and and you know they actually had like Superman get angry and stuff. I feel like that's where Newburn really shined. Uh, but Tim Daly was definitely better, and uh, Tim Daly was actually the voice of uh, you know we talked about this a few weeks ago, uh, the Batman Superman story which is also on DC Universe. It's the season five two-parter premiere of the Batman series. Uh, you know, we talked about the Batman versus Dracula. Uh, the Batman Superman story was their, their two-parter that introduced Superman to that universe. Uh, and so you have Reno Romano doing the voice of the Batman, but you, get, but you also have the cast of Superman the Animated Series reprising their voices. So you got Dana great. Delaney as Lois Lane, uh, Clancy Brown yeah. as Lex Luthor, and Tim Daly as Superman. Yeah, that was, that was a really nice to, to have those guys back, wasn't it? I mean, you, you just felt like you were going home. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, they, even though the, the, the designs were different. And I'm sorry, it was George Newbern as Superman in that. Ooh, I what, got that it wrong. Was, it wasn't Tim Daly. No, it was George huh. Newbern. Uh, I'm ju- I'm looking at it now, which is wow. I, I was I was wrong. I, I I stand corrected. The rest of them were the same. Yeah. Um, but I Al- it was Tim Daly. I thought so too. It, it huh. definitely he did a convincing Tim <laughs> Daly too. <laughs> he did. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. So you know the the rest of the cast uh, we, we we talked about, and this was a, a two parter that that started, you know, in season four of the Batman. They formed the Justice League, but without Superman. And then, you know, season five is where Superman kind of comes into the show and joins the rest of the Justice League. Uh, You know, I think they had Martian Manhunter. um, 
Green Arrow, The Flash, and Green Lantern, and Hawkman. Uh, and so it was George Newbern, Dorian Harewood, Chris Hardwick was Green Arrow, uh, Dermot Mulroney was Green Lantern, Robert Patrick was Hawkman. Um, so they're pretty decent cast. But this was the season premiere, two-parter, introduced Superman in those Jeff Matsuda-designed uh, characters. And Aaron, this was kind of only your second toe in the water on that ba- that Batman show. Well, you know, well, a third maybe. Um, <laughs> given that I watched the first season and really didn't like it. Um, and we've talked about that before. It just, it felt like it was, the animation was done on the cheap. Um, uh, but the, I saw the, the, uh, Batman Dracula, the Batman versus Dracula. So I guess that would be qualify as my second toe in the water. And then my third toe would be, uh, these two episodes. And I gotta tell you, I loved them. I thought these episodes were great. Yeah. This was a show that definitely started a little weaker and really grew into its own. Mm-hmm. By the end, the show was absolutely incredible. And with these two episodes, it just screamed John Byrne Superman era to me. I mean, the stories being told, Superman not being part of the Justice League founding and being kind of aloof and not wanting to join them, wanting to do his own thing. Uh, the whole interaction between him and Batman around Krypton and eventual trial trust all of that screamed to the era of superman that's my superman yeah i i enjoyed the hell out of it revisiting it it was funny to me um that superman gets his ass kicked a lot in these two episodes (laughs) for his introduction to the show it pretty much starts with metallo kicking his ass and then batman kicking his ass uh oh and lex luther kick his kicked his ass in the middle of that too um so i I, uh you know so I, i found that interesting Oh, uh, and then who was the one that shot him with the the red the red? Oh, Bane shot him with a uh, you know a red sun gun. So Superman just gets his ass kicked a lot in these two episodes, but I did enjoy it. And it's written by Alan Burnett, uh, so you know it has yeah. that pedigree from the Justice League animated series and the Batman animated series. So it also has that feel, um, and I, I like that they focused more on Lex Luthor and and some of those Superman villains, but also featured some of the Batman villains and not the cheesy ones. Yeah. So it was I thought it was really well done. I, I you know, it it made me want to watch more. Um, you know, it made me want to revisit the two-parter before it, which was called The Joining, um, which was the the formation of the Justice League against the alien invasion that they mentioned at the beginning of this two-parter. It's an awfully good show. I uh, you know, it it's made me want to go back and uh rewatch the ser- you know the 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 second season or watch for the first time for me watch the second season and beyond because uh, it really did turn into a good show really couldn't stand the first season of that show though yeah i get it. i remember the first couple episodes i disliked it but by the like i said by the second season and on it got to be an incredible show yeah and i think one of the things i didn't like there's some of the character choices for designs that i really dislike i hate their joker appearance oh god same here hate him it grew on me you know, I, I think that, like Wayne said, if it, it, it's on DC Universe right now, worth checking out. It really starts to pick up in the second season, but I think the third season is where it really starts to stick the landing with the introduction of Batgirl, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and just kind of stays consistent from then on. So definitely worth checking out if you're looking for something to watch or or revisit. Yeah, or you could go with uh, Young Justice that starts strong and continues strong all the way through i am uh, i'm only about five episodes away from finishing season three now and that show continues to surprise me with how dark and how adult the stories end up going on it just incredible show beginning to end and i'm always amazed by the deep cut characters in there you know i have a harder time coming up with a character that hasn't been on young justice than i do one that has all right hey i you know uh i know we're all kind of starved for content right now and i want to make a recommendation uh the uh writing team of larry niven jerry purnell and stephen barnes has uh been a a a uh, group of creators that i have followed for more than 30 years um and they just finished their final entry in their Hurot series 
uh, you know, that started off with Legacy of Herot, Beowulf's Children, uh, The Secret of uh, Blackship Island, and ends in the newly published uh, Starborn and Godsons. Uh, this book is notable not just because it completes uh, the saga of Earth's first colony in space, uh, but it also is the last book that Jerry Purnell wrote uh, or contributed to before he passed away uh, a couple of years back. The book is fantastic. Just the story itself is fantastic, brings a, a very satisfying end to this saga. Um, but I will also say that there are two essays that open up the the uh, the book. One by Larry Niven, who you know he's the writer of Ringworld, the known space books. Uh, Stephen Barnes is the guy who wrote with him the uh, Dream Park books. Uh, they both write essays about Jerry Purnell, and Jerry Purnell is the guy who brought you you know Janice Aries uh, and other wonderful books. I. Uh, I got uh, I was emotionally moved by each of these essays. And so if you're a Jerry Purnell fan, if you're a Larry Niven fan or a Stephen Barnes fan, if you like these three authors working together, or any of these authors working independently, I highly recommend this series. Um, and I got to tell you, I, I, I find these books pitch perfect. I have reread Legacy of Herat uh, many times over the years. Um, and I, ju- I I consumed uh, Starborn, Starborn and Godsons. I finished it in less than three days. Uh, I, uh, I, I, I really recommend it. Um, it's available on Audible right now. It's available, you know, in your bookstores, at your Amazons, uh, wherever. I just, I, I cannot recommend it enough. So, uh, big thumbs up, uh, and check that out if, if that's something that you, that you, that you dig. And I know Wayne, you always like a new series. I do. Is it on Audible? It is. All four of them. And I got to tell you, Legacy of Herat, you know, is about uh, Earth's first colony and, uh, you know, what they have to do to survive on this alien world that's got some uh, really interesting aliens. And each of these, you know, just like you'd expect from a Larry Niven, Jerry Purnell book is hard science fiction. It is based on real science, uh, real science and then a lot of speculation. And it is fascinating. Uh, each of these books and e- they, they don't just live in that one scientific thought each book proposes uh something new stemming out of the original concept i i i, I love that it uh really hits you in you know your your science brain but you know the combination of these three authors i i think anybody who has read and enjoyed larry niven will say you know he's a great idea guy not so good on people, <laughs> you know, his characters are, are, are sometimes not as human as you would like them to be. But the addition of, of Stephen Barnes and Jerry Purnell really bring that to the table. And Jerry Purnell is really good about teasing out that next step. So these three writers really complement each other very, very well. Uh, and each one of these books is fantastic. Uh, I highly recommend them. Can't recommend them enough. All right. Yeah. Well, before we record the next time, it will have been May the 4th. So may the 4th be with you. Uh, you know, watch the series finale of Clone Wars. Lots of stuff is coming out on Disney+. Plus. Uh, episode 9, Rise of Skywalker. Um, the series finale of the Clone Wars. And the new Making of the Mandalorian documentary series. All coming on Disney+. Plus on Tuesday. and uh, Or Monday, I should say. May the 4th. And uh, Tuesday, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War is coming out digitally. Woohoo! All right, folks. So uh, hit us up. Uh, hit us up on social media. I O M Geek on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Leave us your thoughts about this week's uh, podcast or what you're watching, what you're reading, and we. You can also give us a call on the uh, I O M Geek hotline. 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the air, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. All right, so we'll see you next week. Wahoo! Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.